As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. Very special guest today. Honored to have the man I think, if such a position ever exists, and I don't know if it will, but if if there ever is a commissioner of college football, oh. Joel Klatt has my vote. No. So we're going to call you the commissioner, Joel. I love we, it. We might make this a standing segment where we just bring the commissioner on to rule rule on various things. I, but, lo- I love it. I'm I'm in. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Joel, call some games on Fox, you know, the, the big one, the, the, the big noon Saturday uh, with Gus Johnson was a quarterback at at Colorado, uh, was also a, a professional baseball player, has, has led a very, very interesting life. But <laughs> but Joel, it, we, we had this conversation. We, we bumped into each other in, in Scottsdale at the Big mm-hmm. Ten and Pac-12 meetings. And and you were like, we got to fix this and this and this. And I'm like, Joel. We got to fix it on the podcast. That's right. So, well, listen. There's there's no greater spot to do this uh, than your show. I I am a listener. By the way, uh, long time, first time here. Long time oh, listener, first beautiful. time caller. Um, I, won't, I won't make you give height and weight like Dan Patrick does. Uh, no, there you go. I I appreciate that. So, um, this, I don't think that there's a better spot to just talk about. You know the the sport and then throw ideas out about it. Cause I think that's one of the things that I get so frustrated with. And I think you're probably in the same boat is that there's just so much complaining and very little, like, <laughs> you know, like there's, there's very little like, okay, so what can we do about it? Yeah. And, and like, let's think outside the box. There's so much of like, this is terrible. And then you'll throw out like a smidge of a suggestion and they'll be like, you can't do that. And it's like, well, well, I don't know what to tell you then. So I, I couldn't wait to do this ever since we bumped into each other in Phoenix. I, I was really looking forward to just sitting down and throwing out and, and I don't want to call them wild, but outside of the box ideas that, that I think, you know, and both of us think could maybe help college football uh, globally. And, and that's the thing. There are people who uh, more powerful than us 
<laughs> and, and that which is a lot of people, but you know, athletic directors, conference officials, that sort of thing, who are kicking some of these things around, but they get they run into the same type of people you were just talking about. I, mm-hmm. I feel like there's there's two groups that are sort of standing in the way of progress. One of the groups is the one that says, "No, I want it to be exactly the way it was when I was a kid," but that's not going to happen. And then the right. other group's like, "Well, unless you can make all of these changes, you shouldn't really do anything. You can't do right. anything." Yeah, no, no, no. Don't let perfect be the enemy of good. So, well, and and I would also add to that that I think that the first mistake everyone makes is that they try to fix a bunch of the individual symptoms and not the underlying cause, you know? And so I think that's, that's probably where we'll, we'll start is, you know, everyone wants to just like throw band-aids over NIL or transfer or, you know, what, I mean, you name it and yep. we'll get into all of it, but they want to throw band-aids over all of that and, and never talk about really the, the underlying issue, which I believe is governance and the lack thereof you know, in particular from the NCAA. So until that's get, that gets fixed and, and a structure gets put into place, then I don't think you can really fix all of these other individual things that are, that are in my eyes, down the line. And that's why I'm making you the commissioner, because this is, you need to be, yes. and, and, and I have thrown this out there and it's, it's the night commission and I don't normally agree on things, but I think it was, this might've been pre-pandemic or, or, or maybe it was right after the pandemic, they came up with an idea that, hey, just have the FBS, con- uh, FBS conferences break football off of the NCAA, keep their other sports in, in the NCAA, but just have football be the separate entity run by the, the conferences that run the college football playoff, which makes sense to me, but then you got to put somebody in charge. Joel, I'm, I'm picking you. You I may have it. other ideas of who you want, but, but let's say we did that. Let's say that happened. And... Okay. It's the 10 FBS conferences and in, in order to basically the people who get together and talk about the playoff. Yeah. They're in charge of major college football. They run the whole show. They can create the rules from scratch. They can do whatever they want. What do you think should be some of their first moves if they did that? Okay. So uh, that, that, that is the first move. And so that's the assumption that we're, we're done with, right? Is that we've yep. got now a governing body. Yes. And so the first thing that I think that needs to happen is that that governing body needs to become and not electively by its members, but but financially the most powerful entity in the sport. So how do you do that? Well, you got to control the power of the purse. And right now, the conferences make way more money than they do through rev share outside of of any type of monetary uh, plan or, or, you know, playoff or anything along those lines. So the first thing that I would do is that I would give the CFP all of the non-league games as well as postseason games. Right. So and this is, I would strip This is not them conference over. games. Correct. TV rights. That's right. And so I would take all of the non-conference games away from conferences and I would put them in a pool and they would be controlled by this governing body, which I believe, by the way, structurally should be the CFP. So you're basically putting me in charge of the CFP. Yes. Okay. So the CFP is there. It can be a governing body. It's, it's, it's got all the structural elements that you need. And then if you give it more opportunity to sell its rights and, and gain the power of the purse, now you've really got something. 
So the CFP would control all non-league and postseason games, and they would go out and they would do media deals with you know all of us, Fox, yes. ESPN, you know CBS, everything, and and that would be the the single biggest media rights deal in college football. Not even the Big Ten or the SEC in their individual deal would make more money than that CFP entity if they controlled all non-league and postseason games. Right. And this is sort of an in-between what, what college football has now and say what a pro sport has. Cause the, the NFL or MLB, they all pull their rights together. They all share the TV money evenly. But then, you know, if you're the Cowboys, you, you're going to sell more tickets and you're going to charge more for tickets. So that's how you can be wealthier than, than say another team. But in this case, the, the conferences could still sell their conference game TV rights. So the SEC and Big Ten would still make more, but okay. those non-conference games get split among everybody. That's right. Sort of brings brings the gap closer together, which I, I like that idea. I also like, this is what we talked about in Phoenix. I love this because what you would do is cancel out all non-conference contracts that currently exist and That's right. put them together on an annual basis. Well, and, and I think what you can start to do, this would achieve a lot of different things, right? And, and uh, I think people, I think, intuitively understand what, what it would do monetarily, right? It would, it would bring conferences closer together. You would still have, as you said, the top conferences be able to make more. And then the other conferences would, would be able to kind of um, uh, bridge the gap, if you would. Now, the, the other part is, is, and I think that this is vital, and I think this would be, as a commissioner, one of my main objectives would be to enhance competitive balance throughout the sport. And, and I think that you do that through scheduling. And, and you do that by taking away this ridiculous process that we have now yes. where athletic directors schedule over a cigar 10 years out, you know, like with another athletic director, like let's play a home and home in 2036. Who cares? None of us Who? are going to be working then. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's bizarre. And it doesn't make any sense whatsoever, in particular, when, when that is a large amount of inventory. So why not control that inventory and, and make more premium and valuable in inventory? And you do that through what I would call kind of a parity-driven schedule model. Um, so the better you are, mm -hmm. then the next year, the tougher schedule you're going to play. And I'm going to yeah. make that for you in the non-conference. So if you're a champion... You're going to play another champion in the non-conference at their place and you're host another champion. So for instance, let's just say, you know, sake of argument, Alabama won the SEC, even though Georgia won the national championship, I get that Alabama won the SEC. Uh, let's see, Ohio State, um, they came in second. So Michigan won the Big Ten. Uh, let's see, Utah won the Pac-12. Let's just say, okay, Alabama, I'm going to schedule for you in your non-conference. Let's say it's, it's four non-conference games. So I'm going to give you two kind of directional schools to help with their budgets. Mm -hmm. You know, so you're going to host those schools that you normally do. And those are cupcakes. I understand that. And that's important for college football for other reasons. We can get into that, but you're also going to go to Utah. You're going to play in Salt Lake city and you're going to host Michigan. Meanwhile, you know, Vanderbilt is going to get the last place teams from those conferences so their ability to get to that six-game barrier or seven-game or eight-game win uh, barrier is going to be easier than, let's say, Alabama. So we're going to drive a little bit more parity. Not a lot, right. okay, but and a that, little that's bit. That's kind of what the NFL does because the, everybody thinks, oh, you know, they, they load up the, the team that, that won the most games. They're not really. They have rules where you're going to play this division and this division 
but they they leave a few spots open so that they can do that. I to, believe to it's just two. Don't yeah. don't quote me on this, but I believe it's just two. And then this would also just be two uh, in college football that would be more difficult. So meanwhile, Ohio State would play, you know, Georgia, uh, maybe at Georgia, and they would play, you know, Oregon. Uh, yeah, so, Baylor. So yeah, it would be great. It, it, it would be, you, you can see as you play this out through all the conferences, as you play this out, the, the amount of premium inventory goes way up mm-hmm. and the entity controlling that inventory is going to charge uh, a lot of money and then they can control when those games happen. So you're, you're, you're driving parity, you're increasing revenue. And I think that that would be more interesting for the fan as well. And we're sprinkling, uh, you're talking about we're sprinkling those games throughout the season, right? We're not just be- front loading or back loading. Yeah. I, I, I would love that. Well, I think about, okay, so I know this is going to be a conference game in a few years, but you guys have Alabama and Texas mm-hmm. in week two uh, on your air. Mm-hmm. That's not a matchup that happens very often. That's one of those, I imagine, your bosses at Fox, the second they got a choice for that week, they're like, that's the one we want. That one. Of course. Yeah. And you're creating that every single week of the season. That's right. Um, and, and, and many more of them. You know, so not only would there be an Alabama, Texas, but there would be, you know, uh, an, an Ohio State, Georgia and, and so on and so forth. You know, you play it out. Oklahoma would have these games. USC would have these games. Utah would have these games. Oregon would have these games. Michigan, Michigan State, Georgia, um, you know, LSU. Everyone would be playing marquee power five, if you want to call it that, games on a home and away basis that we would schedule on, on an annual um, model. So you wouldn't schedule years in advance, depending on where you finished the previous year, we're going to schedule those games for you the next year. I love it. I, this is, that's the one I, I, I'm most excited. And that is something, look, the contracts would have to be canceled, but that's one of those, the way you've presented it because it financially benefits everyone and it would, everybody right. would make more money this way. I do think leagues teams would be willing to cancel the contracts that they have already. Because you're you're still telling them, hey, you're going to have this many home games this year, which is yeah, what, home, what they care about. And home games are, yeah, absolutely. Home games are important, more so than even the NFL, because gate is is a, a bigger chunk and percentage of, of the overall revenue for a school. Um, but but I but I would say, like at some point, and this might be backtracking, but at some point, everybody involved here needs to understand that we've got to stop operating in silos and doing only what's good for us individually, whether it's a network, a conference, or a school. So right now, and I've made this analogy before, and it might be sloppy, but whatever, you know, after the, the Revolutionary War, you know, we earned our independence, and yet we didn't have like a, a federal government. And right. so there was just like these 13 entities that were kind of behaving, in, and I would categorize it as selfish ways, and rightly so, because you're always going to operate in your own best interest. And that's what, what college football is now. And it wasn't until we got a federal government with the Constitutional Convention, um, a republic, madam, if you can keep it, the famous line from Benjamin Franklin. Right. But the, the, that's then all of a sudden when it was kind of like, OK, we can operate individually, but we also have to operate cohesively. And that's what's missing in college football. And that's why a commissioner or a commissioner's office or a CFP of governance is badly needed, because yeah. These entities need to start operating at least a little bit with with the whole in mind versus just their own best interest. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's interesting that you bring that up because I think back to the pandemic where that sort of leadership slash governance would have made a huge difference, I think, because it it sort of exposed all of the stuff you're talking about. One of the other things that that you and I had talked about is another piece of that, because the pandemic, I thought, I remember when the Northwestern players tried to unionize and I wrote, Mm -hmm. there will come a day when the people in charge who are trying to get them to not unionize will be begging them to unionize. <laughs> and, and, and here we are. I think the pandemic sort of exposed that too, because if you'd had the centralized leadership that you're talking about and a, a, a unit, and it doesn't have to be an official union, because I know you were dealing with a lot of state universities, different labor laws and everything, but a bargaining unit of players. Mm-hmm. Had that existed during the pandemic, it would have been a lot easier because those groups could have gotten together and said, we both want to play. Here's how we're going to do it. And you've mentioned this, you know, I I keep saying, I know nobody wants to go down this road who's been working in college sports, but you're probably going to have to make the players employees and you're probably going to have to let them either unionize or form some sort of bargaining unit because that's the only way you'll be able to make rules you can actually enforce. Yes. So the, the problem occurred years ago, um, and, and my conversations with, with ADs, uh, a lot of them who agreed with me, went a little like this. You know, you looked at four years ago, um, Andy, five years ago, and this was being kicked around, right? There was an NIL kind of commission and like, mm-hmm. should we look into this? And, and all the same kind of slow play things that you normally get from the NCAA. And, and some of them reached out to me and they were just like, hey, what's your thoughts? And, and first and foremost, I'm a believer that in this country, in this day and age, and, and probably always, but you, you should always own your own name, image, and likeness. Right. So I am a believer in NIL. Okay. Now, having said that, I told them, you can take two steps now, this is five years ago, mm-hmm. that, that are uncomfortable for you and you might not totally understand how to control or in three or four years, someone's going to force you to take 10 that you are totally ill-equipped to take. And yeah. that's where we find ourselves. So they didn't do anything. They just sat there like a bunch of morons and didn't do anything. And now here we are where you're right. We are going to have to move or inch closer towards this. And they are going to hate this, like the employee model. There does need to be some sort of bargaining structure with the players. And, and getting that is the only way that you're going to be able to p- present some guardrails on NIL, which are both good for the programs and the state of college football as a whole, and it'll be good for players as well. And, and people bristle at like, well, 
Why would the players want to do that and limit their opportunities? Yeah, but you have to understand that a lot of these players are are ill-equipped to be entering into some of these deals right now. And because it's a bit of the Wild West, we don't know exactly what type of agencies they're working with, what deals are happening, how they're structured. Because of that, I, I think that we're putting the the players, if you will, at a bit of risk, in particular financial risk, well, if they don't know exactly what's going on. The other thing is there are so many players. Like the bottom of that bargaining unit, the the, the people who are not the stars, they're going to want to make the best deal for them. Mm-hmm. And that's a different deal than the stars are, are going to want to make. It's that's just, right. It, it's like LeBron James does not get paid what he's worth as a basketball player by the Lakers because the NCAA, or the NBA salary cap forbids it. But the NBA Players Association agreed to the salary cap. Mm-hmm. And then LeBron gets made whole by Nike, which is what we're talking about with NIL. The, the problem with NIL, because I know people complain that NIL is not being used for what it was presented as. Well, there's a reason for that. Like any like basic econ 101 will teach you that if you arbitrarily cap income in a market, a black market forms. And in this case, they're still saying you can't pay these people for being good at football. Well, guess what? Everyone's going to find a way to pay them their value as football players. Yep. One way or the other. So the only the only way you could actually enforce a rule is get the players to agree to the rule. Yeah, and and I will say, and this is what's what's difficult. Being a believer in NIL and and an advocate of NIL, I do think the where it's gone is is not great for the sport. I don't know if you agree with me or not on this, but. Um, I, I don't believe that NIL should be used as an inducement, but I don't think that there's any way to get that out of the, out of the if, game. If so that might be something I, I just got to get over that. If you can't find a way to pay them for their value as football players, which is the whole point of this thing, then it's going to be this. I'm not sure if it's good or bad because here's the thing. And, and Ari Wasserman and I were talking about this on the show that, that aired on Monday. If, suddenly the the top 100 players stop all going to the same four schools and start going to like the same 20 schools, mm-hmm. then the sport gets better. Yes. If NIL does that. that, it makes the sport better, but we don't know if that, agree we, with we that. don't know. It's been a year. So. Yeah. And, and we don't know how the market's going to react. You know, th- th- yeah. it's so new right now. All these businesses and entities are just throwing money around and there's a lot of money being, being tossed around. I don't know if that money's going to be there year over year you know yeah. how state ryan day talking about he needs 13 million dollars a year i mean where's that coming from well and that, that's um, the other thing is I, I i talked to the people running the texas a&m collective and they're like the hardest thing for us is explaining to these people this has to be refilled right like, <laughs> this, is, this is not hey we built we, we, we rebuilt kyle field we did it you know yeah. like and and that's the yes that's how boosters kind of think you know like okay yeah. here's my one donation now i'm, I'm gonna want a national championship. I will tell you a couple of things that, that I think would help. Okay. So let me get back into an idea. Let me throw out an idea for, right, for NIL. Like, Are you ready? Yep. I want a, a centralized that I, as a commissioner, I would, I would oversee this, this body, a centralized body that would act as the agent. So if you could collectively bargain with some form of the players and then they agreed that, okay, we will allow you to negotiate our nil deals for us 
I would never and agree we will, that if I were them. I understand that, but I there's got to be some way to vet these deals. And well, I think you, that there's a big like the element NFLPA of player does. protection in, in there. Yeah, you, you police the agents just like the NFLPA or the NBA PA does. That's right. So we need to, in college football, and this, this is both as far as their career goes, like as players and now in the marketing side, we need to bring the agents out of the dark. Like they need to register with us, just like they register with the NFLPA. Exactly. As, as Charge them a fee to register and no doubt. use that to, to fund the policing of them. You know, if somebody's charging athletes 50% of a deal, which is way more than, than a standard rate, like then, then you, you can take action against them or you can, or you go to the athlete and say, Hey, look, this is a terrible deal. And, and you That's give right. the athletes a resource to go to uh, and they can say, Hey, here's what's been proposed to me. And, and the, you know, the group in charge of looking at that will look at that and go, don't sign this. This is well, bad. Well, Andy, you really think, I guarantee you, there, there are agent player deals currently, right now, that have been signed by maybe the player, maybe a, a, a family member yep. of a 17, 18-year-old that is signing away future earnings. Oh, 100%. I, guarantee, I know there are. I, guarantee I know there are. That. Yeah. And in this model, that wouldn't fly. Like you yeah. could not enter into an, a, a, an agreement. So maybe it's just a, a vetting process or it's an actual agency, but there needs to be a, a, a spot where all of these deals and the agent deals that accompany them are looked over for the player's best interest. Well, I, I will tell you, if you've got a system where you are, you have a collectively bargained compensation structure where you're paying them for their value as football players, you don't really now. You may want to you you may want to police the agents and the agreements they make with the agents. You're not really going to have to police the deals anymore after that right. because you because then you already have a rule in place. And if somebody thinks because that's why that's why the uh, I'll go back to to the Cowboys. The Cowboys can't say if you sign with us, then you're also going to get a deal with AT and T that pays you X amount of dollars. So that violates the NFL CBA. So again, these are rules you could actually enforce. That nobody's going to take you. Maybe I mean somebody could take you to court over, but you're going to win. Like this would work, and and it also I think would would dip into the tampering, and right. and it would curtail a lot of that because any deal would have to be again vetted. All we want, let's see. All, all I want to do is kind of bring all this stuff out of the darkness and into the light. That's what college football needs is just oversight, Andy. Mm -hmm. Like that's yeah. that's what we need, and and I think. What people, and in particular on the player's side, need to understand is that that oversight, I believe, is in their best interest. I'm not trying to curtail their earnings. In right. fact, I, th I want it to be even bigger and better. But what I don't want is for them to be taken advantage of because I know that's happening. I've, right. I've heard of it. You know, I know it, of three or four specific examples yeah. of a kid and his family entering awful agreements. And, and there are laws in various states regarding what athlete agents can do, but they're not enforced very evenly. Mm -hmm. the, the people in charge of enforcing them usually have a lot of other things to do. So, yeah, creating a group that would help kind of police this would, I think, would be helpful to everybody. The other thing you, you brought up that I thought was really interesting is talking about roster management mm -hmm. because we've got the transfer yeah. portal. 
the the way the transfer portal is being used now, they, they've gotten rid. Of, they're getting rid of the twenty five limit, which I think will help a little bit in terms I think of so too. getting getting high school guys signed instead of everybody just taking transfers. But you had an interesting thought where you would actually have them reserve some scholarships for high school players, and then and and so it would be easier to get them in and then you could fill a certain number of spots with transfers. Yeah. So, so, and I probably should have started with this so that everyone listening could have just kind of like compartmentalized what we're talking about. I really have like three, three main ones that we're going to be talking about today. The first we talked about, right. Is the power of the purse for the governing body and and the competitive structure of the sport from a scheduling standpoint. The second is trying your best to curtail and get your arms around both for the player's sake and for the the sustainability of the sport's sake, the NIL tampering inducement situation. Now I think that we need to go to the, what I believe is, is a really big problem in the sport, which is roster management. And we need to make it easier for everybody to understand what's available and when. And I think that's the bigger um, um, issue. Okay, so my idea would be you you have to build a calendar in college football that allows you to, to build a roster, hire and fire coaches on a timeframe that's, that's better for everybody. Right now, what we have because of the early signing day and just the entire like haphazard nature of how a roster is constructed, we have guys getting fired in September and October because, you know, that school thinks like and Texas Tech fans are all over me because I'm like, listen, I, I disagree with the firing at Texas Tech. Right. Um, last well, it year. felt like they fired him to to make sure he didn't win too many more yes. games. Like, That's exactly right. So I'm like, well, how is that in the best interest of the kids? And the fans are like, well, we got to recruit and this and look at our class next year. And that's why you do it. And you're an idiot class. And I'm like, well, hold on time out. What about the current players? You know? So, so, so listen, I think that that's bad for the sport. I don't want guys getting fired in October, right? If you fire them the day after the season, fine. I also don't want guys, that just leave or, or tank or, you know, like all, all sorts of things that happen late, late in the year. What also happens is that because you have this early signing period is you'll have a, a staff that recruits a kid for two or three years, finally gets him. And then the next day, an assistant's like, okay, I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, wait a second, wait a second. So we need to figure out the, the, the calendar in college football of, of when moves take place. So I'm talking about, like when you can sign a high school player, when you can sign a transfer, when, when coaches get fired, by what date coaches need to be hired unless there's an extenuating circumstance. Um, and then also the number of scholarships that are available for high school athletes and that are available for your transfers. So I believe that we should not just say, hey, you know, it's a 30 cap or a 35 cap or a 25 cap. Right. It shouldn't just be capped. It should say, you have 22 spots avail- av- available for high school scholarships and you have eight spots available for transfer scholarships. Go ahead. Which is, which and, is kind of, it's sort of like the NBA with like a mid, you have a mid-level exception. You could do this right. and this. Yeah. It, it, and that makes sense. And you could also probably set it up where you could use as many as you want on high schoolers, but it takes one, you know, it takes away how many you can take as transfers or however you want to do that. 
Like but, up to 30, so you could take 30 high schoolers if you want. But I, yeah. I think that capping the transfer portal at like eight per school would do a couple of things. Um, and, and, and first and foremost, it, it would put a hard number on the portal. And so if you're a player and you're like, I'm going to go to the portal, and there's already like, you know, 1,500 kids for 1,300 spots. Yeah. You're like, well, I better be really confident in where I'm going. So it would at least make the player think about what he's doing when he's throwing away his scholarship. The other part of the portal that I would fix is that, and it goes with the calendar, portal wouldn't be open during the season. Yeah, um, there would be common a sense. Like they should do that now. Of course, of course. I mean, these guys are 18 to 22 years old. You know how many times I wanted to quit, <laughs> right, and like leave? Yeah, well, you and have, the thing a, is it does, you have not, a bad game, coach yells at yeah. you, and you're like, I'm out of here. Well, right. Why give them that opportunity? But you're not, And you're not actually restricting anybody from going where they want to go because you can't right. play for two teams in the same season anyway. So you like if you want to leave, then by all means, at the end of the season, throw your name in the portal and go. But uh, you're, you're exactly right. This, this is the biggest no-brainer, and I know they're, they're afraid of lawsuits, but that's one I don't see how anybody's going to sue you over that one. And because of, of what you said, you can't go play anyways. So like, I don't, you can quit like, like the old school, like take your ball and go home. You're probably going to finish your classes there anyway. Right. And by the way, almost every one of these schools has a policy in place that as soon as your name goes into the portal, you're done. Yeah. Right. Like you can't come back. So you are throwing your scholarship away. You better have a good idea of if there's ones available. How many guys out there? And I'm sorry, I don't know the numbers that are right in front of me. There are there are hundreds of players that went to the transfer portal that never got opportunities again. So here they yeah. are with a scholarship, playing college football at a major university, getting an education, think that the grass is greener on the other side, and it's not. You know, the grass is greener where you water it. And and I think allowing or or forcing kids to at least just like, hey, just wait until the end of the year. Maybe we'll develop a little bit of perseverance. Maybe they'll get through those issues and be better because of it. Maybe we won't have the thousands of players in the portal like we do now because they can enter on a whim. So I think that would really help. I, I do too. And then you could you could do some other calendar type stuff. I think you know they've got that May first rule. Maybe keep mm-hmm. that. Uh, maybe have, you have another kind of cooling off period between National Signing Day and the beginning of spring practice that, that would help. But I do think you can have a reasonable calendar for that without restricting anyone unnecessarily. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This is all great, Joel. And and I'm telling you, your campaign for commissioner is going very well. I love it. Um, I, I feel like I'm getting the softball interview right now. So, well, you know, I, funny I, I'm glad that you agree you, with some of this stuff. People, a lot people of this think stuff is you and I don't agree on like anything. Way. Oh, you and I agree on a lot. Now, <laughs> we, you know, the, the, the Twitter stuff, I like to jab at Andy just because. Yeah, yeah. And because I do the same thing fun. to you. Yes. And, yes. and it's so good. You, you, you threw a, a, a little jab at us about the kick time for Texas, Alabama. 
um, which I thought was 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 funny. So I jabbed back. Um, exactly, it's because- right there in the name. Because well, what happened was they they created the graphic saying that Texas Alabama is going to be on Fox, which we all know a game of that magnitude. If it's going to be on Fox, it's going to be right. you and Gus at That's noon right. Eastern time. And That's right. But I know how unpopular that is among uh, the, the, some, the home fans. Some, some home fans. Yes. Yes. It, because they want to they tailgate longer. And so I said, post the game time, you cowards. And Joel comes yes. back with, it's right there in the name. It is. It's in the title. It's in the title. I'm getting, I got to tell you, Andy, I don't know. Like, it's fine for you. Like, you don't care. And by the way, Every writer that I know loves noon games, Ooh, you know, because of, of deadline. Yes. I'm not allowed but, to drink before games anyway. So it doesn't matter. That's right. That's right. So I am, I, I want to be sensitive to the fan out there. I am so tired of the griping about kick times in college football. Do you know how much griping takes place in the NFL around kick times? Zero. No. And they're kicking, you know, at basically the same time, which is one Eastern. You got West Coast teams going out and playing on the East coast and kicking it, you know, 10 AM body clock. It's like, I don't care. Uh, these, uh, I got coaches and ADs calling me all summer. When are you going to kick our game? When do you think we're going to kick your game? We're going to kick your game in the window. That was the most watched window in all of college football last year. Oh, I get so frustrated about well, it. See, I, as a viewer, I love it because if I'm not going to a game, if I'm sitting in front of my TV, I want great games in every viewing window. And there you go. For the there longest you go. time, noon was a dumping ground. Totally. And no offense to the to the Big Ten games and, and some of the SEC games that got thrown in, in there at noon, but like you could hear individual people talking in the stands half the time. So I, I will say this, and I, I this is probably patting ourselves on the back too much. And Mike Mulvihill deserves a lot of credit. I don't know if you know Mike Mulvihill or not, but he's he's really the brown brain power behind big noon. And, and I will tell you this, like I, I firmly believe I've been a fan of this sport forever. And I know you have too. I, I, we created a third premium viewing window and like, why wouldn't you want that? And by the way, it's going to make the conferences more money. You know, we're no longer having to just fight in prime time or in the three thirty Eastern window. There is a third premium window out there. And I think that that's better for the sport overall. Well, and, and it's funny because I remember a couple of years ago, I, it, was, oh, it was 2019, CBS only gets that one primetime spot mm-hmm. in its SEC contract. And so, of course, they picked Notre Dame at Georgia, which is no-brainer. And everybody's calling them morons as the Alabama-LSU game approaches going, how did you blow it on this one and you got to run this game at 3.30? They, the, the ratings were incredible at 3.30 right. because the game right. was great. And I, I go back to your... So the most fun game, I think, last season, the most interesting to watch subplots and then just excitement during the game was Michigan, Michigan State. Exactly. I don't, I, it doesn't I, matter I to me when that more. game got played. It was amazing. But by the way, that was the same day that Ohio State played Penn State. Yes. And and uh, Michigan, Michigan State was a top six rated game of the entire college football year, I believe. And actually, when you look at if you people out there like go Google the top rated games in college football from last year. And here's here's what you'll find. There's like one primetime game, maybe two. Then there's some championship games. Mm -hmm. And then there are three thirty and noon games. 
that's it, yeah. right? Like that, that's 330 right. and noon games are the top rated games in college football. That's why, again, like we averaged 7 million viewers a game last year on Fox at noon. That's it. We, we won the year in college football. So, so for people to, to gripe about it, I think it's funny. Well, if we can just get the West Coast folks on board for a little kegs and eggs, I think I think we're we're ready. We so. did it that one time. Do you remember the COVID game? It was the first week back from Pac-12, yep. and, and USC played Arizona State. Yep. Um, it'd be interesting. We always think about like, hey, would Utah, you know, kick? And I think that they will. Would they kick at ten, or would Colorado kick at ten if Colorado was good enough to get it? <laughs> Well, and the Arizona schools, once daylight savings ends, are on mountain time, basically. So that's a, you know, that's a 10 a.m. kickoff. I think you can make that happen. I want to know if there's anything that that we missed that you think that we should do. Not from a network standpoint. I'm going back to our original. Yeah, back to the original. Like changes from a a commissioner for a day. So we talked about, like, I would fix scheduling via the Mm -hmm. CFP. By the way. I would change the postseason. That goes without saying. Like yeah. I would expand the postseason. Well, that that's what I was going to ask you. Is how, how big of a playoff do you want? And now I I think you know I think it's it's probably twelve okay. in my mind. Um, I think that's the number that I like. I do I do I am. You have to have first round buys. Yes. Like, See, that's I, what I, I thought. People, eight was perfect, and I got talked into twelve because of the buy thing because it means That's so right. much and it, right. it, it does it adds another layer of intrigue to the regular season if you don't have those buys it's gonna really hurt the sec first of all and any other conference that has two really good teams mm-hmm. because one of their most valuable assets is their champ game so you have to you have to retain that value and the premium nature of that champ game and, and you do that by incentivizing the winner And so, you know, last year we all kind of knew Georgia, Alabama's playing for their life. Georgia is winning in. But if Georgia were to get a bye, is the outcome different? Well, right. And it it changes. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I don't think Georgia was sandbagging that game, but. I don't think so either. But you look at you look at what they did defensively. They didn't they, they did the same stuff they'd done all year. They didn't try to copy the teams that had had limited Alabama's offense. And then if you go back and look at the, the rematch of the national title game, they absolutely did. So yes. may, maybe they, they were saying, you know what, if we don't have to show everything, maybe we won't. But I, I'm with you. You incentivize that game. It becomes a, I mean, because every coach is going to look at that and go, I don't have to play against one of the best teams in the country. That's right. Great. I'm in. <laughs> the, the one thing I would do differently than what they've proposed is I would keep it on campus through the quarterfinals. Me too. Um, and and it's because of I want the winner of those. I want those four best teams, if you will, best champions. You would have to have a, you would have to win a championship to have a buy in my yep. in my model. And those four teams that were the four best champions in the country would not only get a buy, but they guaranteed would host. Yeah, guaranteed exactly home game. Right. And and look, you understand this because you are doing games in the best environments the biggest games there is no way you can make a bowl game except maybe a Rose bowl, but there are no other bowl games that come close to the environment of a great game at the horseshoe tiger stadium, Spartan stadium, 
uh, Happy Valley, the Swamp, you you name it. That's you, right. You, you Hed, the Hedges, compare. Tuscaloosa, yeah. any of it. Kyle Field, yeah. you know, any of these, any of these. And and by the way, I've been to Rose Bowls. I've, I was at not many, but I've been to Rose Bowls. I was at the TCU Rose Bowl when they won over mm-hmm. Wisconsin. And then I went li- this last year, and it was the first time I got to take my boys to a football game, which was oh, really exciting. How was that? But I, it was it was amazing, and the game was amazing, and the setting was amazing. But I can tell you this right now, it pales in comparison to a dog having to go into the shoe and winning. Yes, right. Like it just is. Or if Ohio State would have had to like go to Utah and play in Salt Lake, you know, you know how tough it is. I, to lo- I love, love, love Rice Eccles Stadium. I love the must. Like, yes, so much fun. So, and, and that's the other part. You kind of show this off to the country because it's not the same as the NFL. Like I, I get like when the Chiefs fans are like, well, we're really loud. And the, the Seahawks fans are like, we're really loud. No, you're not. Not, not compared <laughs> to like, when Jordan here at Auburn, when they're going crazy, that place feels like a jet engine, like you're sitting yeah. inside it. And yeah. Kyle Field, same way. Uh, uh, Bryant Denny, same way. So that's that's the thing. I would love for that to be showcased. I think uh, in terms of a TV product, it's a better product. I, it, it absolutely is. And, and unfortunately, the adults in the room get in the way. Uh, of what can be a very simple playoff structure. I, I firmly believe that. Uh, I don't believe there should be automatic bids. Uh, I believe that there should be six automatic champions that go, but not designated to a conference. Uh, well, I, so I, 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 was, I was on the side of, hey, just if, if you've got the power and you can get yourself an automatic bid, go for it. Bob Bullsby was the one who sort of talked me out of that because mm-hmm. – he goes, look, we would need it more than anybody talking about the Big 12, but it's lawsuit bait. Yes. Like, why, why bother? Why not just say we're going to be one of the six highest ranked champs anyway, and we're getting in. And That's right. he's right. There's no, there's no scenario where they wouldn't have gotten in. That's right. And, and by the way, like, the, the, they get scared because they can't see past the folly of what has now gone by the wayside. Okay, and this is what I mean by that. They were so scared of the eight and eight and eight team that got into the championship game somehow, and then like they win and they're your champion and they're not one of the six best champions. It's like, well, all you had to do was get rid of divisions, which is another no brainer, right? Which is happening now across the yep. country, um, in, in most conferences. Uh, I know the Pac-12 is doing it this next year. Yeah, the, but again, the big, like the Big Ten's the only one. It, it seems like where there's even a question about whether they'll keep them or not. But the SEC, they will. Them, so is the ACC. They will. The Big Ten will get rid of divisions. I'm, I, I firmly believe that. But you know what I mean? Like that's what they were scared of, and it's like, well, change it then. I don't, I right. don't understand. Um, so yeah, I, you know, the playoff model I think could be really cool. The one thing that I'm a firm believer in, and this is in business and life or whatever, you've got to know what you're strong at um, and, and you've got to accentuate that. You've got to lean into your strengths and, and make them stronger because that's how you're going to separate yourself from others, whether it's individually or as a group. And in college football, what separates college football from the National Football League is the fact that you've got this organic home field type of non-corporate you know corporate yeah, grassroots band, grassroots bands. Yeah. You know, make that part of your postseason. And I don't understand. And by the way, I like these guys a lot. 
But if Gene Smith talks about the pipes in Ohio's stadium one more time about we can't play when it's freezing, it I I have been freezing in that stadium more times than I want to. <laughs> like it's cold in November. What do you mean? Like you can't play a game two weeks later? That well, makes here, no here's sense. Here's the thing: if if they book Ford Field for an Ohio State playoff game. I would, I would, if I were a Michigan person, I would sabotage Ford Field and force them to move to the big house. Why would you do that though? Why would, why would you do that? It, it yeah. just, it, it wouldn't, it just wouldn't feel right. I mean, going to corporate and stale environments, uh, I think that they should, and they should avoid at all costs. So I, there, I think there's that's another a generational thing there. though, Joel. I, I think you and I are a little bit younger than these folks and, and, and these folks have, have grown up around the idea of the bulls are important. We don't view it that way. No, I know that they're, they, they, they are important to some. And th- now we would be really getting into the weeds. I mean, I've got eight, nine, 10 different ideas. But for instance, like I think that the offseason structure should be changed because right now the advantage of getting and going to a bowl and having those extra 15 to 20 pack practices is mm-hmm. highly advantageous because it's basically a second spring ball. You know, right. so and 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 I, that all that does is is take the teams that were either average or good and give them an even bigger advantage over the teams that stunk. Right. <laughs> so, that's exactly right. You know, yeah. so we need to increase the the level of parity by letting everyone have those practices if if they you know if they want to. Um, here's here's one I want to throw out. You ready? This yep. Is the, now this is an on the field rules change. We got to stop stopping the clock after first downs. And I believe in the first and third quarter that even after incompletions, the clock should run. So this is more NFL. Keep the keep the game in a three hour window kind of thing, which I think that's uh, you and Greg Sankey are uh, very much in favor of that from from what well, I've been it, told. So. It, 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 it also even more so than that is a player safety issue. I can just by changing some of the clock rules that you wouldn't really feel right. Like you wouldn't sense it during the game. You, you didn't, you wouldn't yeah. feel it. it. might, you might be like, Oh, like that was a quick quarter, but you wouldn't yeah. feel it as, as far as the nature of the sport. I could reduce each team's number of snaps by over a hundred, 150 over the course per of season. the year. Yeah. First season, take a whole game away essentially or two games away. Yeah. That's exactly right. And, you know, and, and people are like up in arms about player safety when it relates to maybe we're going to add a playoff game. And it's like, well, I can take away a full game like that just by doing things that you wouldn't even notice. Can I add one more on-field change since we're making yeah. on-field change? I would love All right. it. If a guy dives for a ball and catches it and nobody's around to touch him, he can get up and run with it. Please, oh. please, 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 please. Down by contact right now? <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with that. I I do. Why do we have different rules in the NFL? Why like why do we have a three yard barrier on linemen downfield and they have a one yard barrier? It's just like it's it's interesting that you mentioned the clock rules because that's what people don't understand how drastically the 2008 clock rule change changed the game entirely. And you could do some stuff. You're talking about the play clock. Yes, the play clock. Yes. Yeah. What Going Chip Kelly brought in and all, 40. Yeah. Yes. Where instead of the referee sets the ball, gives the ready for play and the 25 second clock starts, instead of that you just have a 40 second clock that goes and that's that was the change and it changed the entire sport. Yep. Now, you could change it back or you could give the official the discretion 
to set the ball and let decide when it's ready for play. That's what the NFL does. Like they, they don't, and we're getting really in the weeds here, but that's why Chip Kelly, when he went to the NFL, couldn't run the blur offense because the referee will just, will just stand there yep. or, or the center judge will just stand there over the ball and they won't let you snap it. So it, it becomes less, you know, can you wear out the defense using clock tricks and more, you actually have to beat the defense. Yeah. I, listen, I, 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 I agree. I played in the old olden days with the 25 oh. second clock <laughs> huddles. And, oh man, that, that, that seems like uh, a lifetime ago. There's a, there's a lot of things we could do to college football and he, there's no doubt. And I think that the, the first place that we've got to start is that there really does need to be a governing body. And it can't just be, hey, Greg Sankey's the most powerful guy in college sports right now. Um, and then, you know, oh, hey, Kevin Warren's going to sign maybe the richest media rights deal in, in college football. We need to get to a point where these guys have their power and their influence. And, and yet it's, it's, it's all pulling in the same direction. Because I, I can tell you this right now, and, and I know that, you know, we'll probably be ending soon, but if we allow this to continue down the road that it's going and we go towards all the other conferences failing except for the SEC and the Big Ten, which that's, you and I where both know, like that yeah. is exactly where we're headed. If we don't take an exit here, then we're just going to have two Super Leagues and and I don't think that's best. I just don't. And the reason is there's a there's a litany of reasons. But the reason is is because college football in its broad nature is good for the country. It brings us together, right? And and then you have to also look at all the opportunity that it gives football players, you know, in terms of the number of scholarships throughout the country. And then you have to look at what football provides the institutions all over the country to provide scholarship offer opportunities for non-revenue athletes. If we reduce the size of collegiate sports, what we're going to do ultimately is ruin the United States as an Olympic power. And I know I got there in a, in a hurry. No, no. I, I, yeah. And I've heard this argument too. And, and obviously like you've heard recently that the, the, the armed forces, have said, you know, we might step in and do this, but the the system that exists now does work. And and my argument is colleges funded those long before they were making billions off television yeah. football. If it matters to them, they'll continue to fund them. I think they will, but I'm with you. And, and it's funny because people think I, I I'm rooting for this, you know, SEC, Big Ten, they form their own gravitational pull, Super League. I'm not. I don't think that 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 that's the road to becoming what NASCAR became. Yeah, where NASCAR was was having a moment there at the turn of the century, where it was it was pulling in casual fans, and then boom, it got sucked back into becoming a regional sport. That's right. And I, I think it happened that. to baseball as well in the nineties. Yeah. You know, it was it was a big sport that baseball was, and certainly before that, and then it just got hyper regionalized until you have what you have now, which is, you know, I think baseball is really struggling to be quite honest with you. Uh, I don't want it to be a regional sport. I don't want it to get smaller. You know, I think that we, I think that we can save college football from itself. 
I don't want, you know, the SEC and it's coming, man. I'm, I'm telling you, it's coming. They're fielding calls from teams in the, in the ACC right now. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting few years. If you're one of the, if you're a school that, that deeply prioritizes football and you're not in one of those two leagues, you, you are asking that question. You just are. Totally. Because totally. you have to. Well, when Commissioner Klatt's in charge, it's going to start to turn around. I, Joel, I hopefully hope so. we, we can bring you back. We're, we're just going to, we're going to hand you the commissioner's gavel and we're going to bring you back every once in a while and just have you rule on various things. I think that's the best way to handle this. I, I love it. I really enjoy conversations like this. I really do. And I know that you think about and care about the sport deeply, which is why I enjoy having these conversations with you. Um, and, and I'm sure we'll get to a subject that we disagree on at some point, but uh, I would love to, I would love to come back. I listen to you guys all the time. Um, you guys, as a former walk-on, I have reluctantly come over to you and Ari's side of stars mattering, which they absolutely do. Hey, but as a listen, walk-on, I just, it, it's hard for me. From one walk-on to another. Now the difference is you were a good walk-on. Like, I was, I, the walk -on, I, I was the walk-on who turned, like walked through the gates of the practice field, turned to the right and saw Javon curse with his shirt off and was like, nope, <laughs> I don't belong here. I'm, so, out, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. But yeah, that's, uh, it's, it, it is, it is amazing. But yeah, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to preach the, the gospel of stars matter, but you know, maybe spread the stars out a little more. That's, that's the you plan. I, I, the, your plan might do that. So I'm ready. I'm ready for the schedule reveals. I'm ready for the. Uh, I'm gonna sit in a bridal shop in Birmingham as the schedule gets revealed and, and I write the story it. from there. It's it's gonna be perfect. But Joel, I appreciate it. it. Thank you, you so much. You got it. Thanks, Andy.